The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 8. If you would stand to your feet with us. The apostle writes to these believers in Colossae. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. This is the word of the Lord. With my, uh, my father being in the hospital for several weeks in November and December, amongst other things going on in our personal lives, Christmas kind of snuck up on us. Does that happen to anybody from time to time? It's like it comes at the same time every year, but you're like, wow, it is the season already. So the weekend before Christmas, Nikki and I realized we have none of our shopping done. Almost zero percent of our shopping done. And we go into panic mode. So that Saturday, we take our lives into our own hands and we had to make our way to the Fayette Mall in Lexington. The Christmas or the Saturday before Christmas. So knowing what I was in for, I prepared for the infamous traffic of Lexington holiday. I knew that I was going to be facing crowds of people that were procrastinators and angry and trying to get those last minute items. So I felt like I was ready. But what I failed to prepare for was the plethora of mall kiosks with crazy salespeople. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Nikki and I were on a mission. We had very limited time to accomplish what we needed to accomplish. We've got a lot of people to make purchases for. So we had it lined out. We knew exactly what stores we needed to go to and the time it was going to take us to go to each place. We were on a mission. We could not afford any distractions. But about every 20 to 30 feet, Oh, friends, there was another mall kiosk with another crazy person. I learned don't make eye contact with them because, friends, they will pounce on you. I don't know if my skin looks really, really dry or what, but apparently I needed a lot of lotion that day because they wanted to, to put lotion on me in about every other stand, it seemed like. Because of those kiosks, it was difficult for Nikki and I to stay on task that Saturday. But we did, in fact, get our shopping done. So we're moving verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And last week, I only made it through um, two verses in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And in this text, we were reminded of our need as believers to continue. As we have received Christ, we are to continue to do what? To walk in Him. And true Christians, we were reminded, have been rooted in Christ. We are being built up in Jesus. We're being established in our faith. And this is uh, then overflowing, abounding in thanksgiving. 
So strengthened by these conditions, we are admonished to stay the course, to abide in Jesus, to walk in Christ. But like these pesky salespeople in the mall kiosk, there are many distractions in life that are, in fact, vying for our attention and even our allegiance. And they threaten to get us off the course of our Christian life. And that is Paul's concern here in this letter. That's exactly what's happening in Colossae. It's primarily why Paul is writing this epistle. Let me remind you that Colossae in the first century was very polytheistic, meaning they served many different gods. There were all kinds of religions. Scholars tell us that a population of the natives there in Colossae held to animism, this belief in kind of elemental spirits. Then you had the mythological Greek and Roman gods and goddesses who were worshipped. This was a world, too, in which Caesar was considered God and Lord. And so emperor worship was becoming more and more prominent. There were also those who held tightly to astrology, believing that stars and planets could influence people's lives. And finally, though Colossae was primarily made up of Gentiles, there was a rather unique uh, sect of Jews who not only had this form of really tight Jewish legalism, which was binding enough, but then they had other uh, things added onto this, extra-biblical beliefs like the worship of angels. So it was a very confusing place spiritually. That's the backdrop. And this gives you an idea of what the Colossians are facing as Paul is writing them. Can you see why Paul is so concerned with them staying on course? Because everywhere they turn, this is a newer church. They are not the majority in Colossae. So everywhere they turn, someone is trying to pull them off track. So Paul writes in verse 8, see that no one takes you captive. Now that's an interesting phrase. The word uh, captive here in the Greek means to be carried off. To be carried off, it, it has this idea of even being kidnapped. It means to be led away from the truth. So Paul is concerned that these believers who have received, he says in verse 1, the gospel. The, the gospel is taking root in Colossae. This man by the name of Epaphras, he received the gospel from Paul in Ephesus, taken it back and it's to, to his city there in Colossae, and it's spreading. Glorious news. And Paul says, as you've received Christ, walk in Him and let no one take you captive. Now there's a lot we don't know about what is called the Colossian heresy. We don't know which false teaching Paul is most concerned with. Scholars have debated this for centuries. Paul doesn't actually call the heretics out here. Though he does mention some issues uh, later in chapter 2 that seem to be bent actually towards the Jewish sect of people. He mentions things like circumcision, food restriction, and Sabbaths. But that being said, throughout the book of Colossians, he seems to address a mixture of issues that could be derived from these mystery religions or astrology or Gnostic thinking and certainly 
Jewish legalism. There's a historian by the name of David Pawson, first century historian and Bible teacher, and he writes this, that according to Paul's arguments, he says that he seems to respond to a mixture of religions and philosophies so that the only solution that fits the evidence is to conclude that Paul is arguing against all the ideologies of the culture in which Colossae was placed. And I think that's a pretty good interpretation. And I think the Bible sometimes like this is left, um, it's a little ambiguous for us, so that it's not only one heresy, not only one ideology that we have to watch out, but anything that is not according to the Word of God in Christ, we need to beware of, right? So this leaves this a little bit open-ended, which I think is helpful to us. Here's what we do know. Here's what we need to be aware of. We may not be able to pinpoint the exact heresy that's coming against the church, but we know that there's no indication, this is interesting, that the heretics are rejecting Christ completely. Nor are they su- suggesting to the Colossian believers that they leave the church. Now that's interesting. And do you know today that there probably aren't too many people trying to get you just to totally leave the church. There are some who might preach totally against Christ, but most of us aren't going to walk away from that. The enemy's smarter than that. But if he can sow a little bit of bad doctrine to get you just to slightly move away from Christ, then he's got you where he wants you. What they are teaching, these heretics, is that Christ is not enough. It is a Christ plus mentality. The the heretics deny the full deity of Jesus, which says you have to have something else besides Jesus. You have Christ. Oh, that's fine and dandy, but listen, you've got to have something more if you want real spirituality. Dangerous teaching this is. I don't know why I said that like Yoda. (laughs) This is why Paul argues in verse 9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's a powerful statement. In Christ the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. So you have Christ. You have all you need of God. So we have heresies like the Jehovah's Witnesses who deny this same thing. They deny, they say, listen, oh, we believe in Jesus, even in his death and burial and resurrection. But they reject this, oh, orthodox and most important doctrine of the Lord's deity. The heretics in Colossae also deny the completeness of the believers in Christ. You have Jesus, fine, but you're not complete in him. There's a higher knowledge. There's something else that you need. You know what that's doing? These teachers uh, are trying to take them back to Egypt, so to speak, back into bondage. They've been freed. They've been given everything they need in Christ. They're complete in Christ. They have this new identity in Christ. And now there are these people in Colossae going, oh, that's not good enough. Wow. And there is this threat today. As well, 
The problem, here's, here's what's happening. We've talked about this. Here's what's really going on in Colossae. There's a, there's a threat, not that they're just going to completely walk away from the Lord and say, oh, we don't believe in Christ at all. But the, the fear is that they'll fall into what's called syncretism, which is the blending of Christianity with other religions. With the other surrounding beliefs. But listen, you can't do that. You come to Christ and you hold solely to Jesus Christ as the author and the finisher of your faith. You can't blend with other religions. Take a little bit from Hinduism, a little bit from Buddhism, a little bit from the Muslim faith, and and just try to combine this hodgepodge of faith. You can't do it. Christ alone is what we're after. Amen? We cling to the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that Godhead, we have all that we need through Christ. So here is what Paul says about these heresies that are trying to pull these believers away. Number one, he says they are deceitful. And oh, is that not the enemy? So often with deceit, there's a little bit of truth, right? But it's just enough to deceit, just enough things that are untrue that will pull you away from total truth. Number two, not only are they deceitful, but these heresies are according to human traditions, not the Scriptures. Paul, or excuse me, Jesus in the book of, I believe it's in Matthew, he calls out the Pharisees because they have... Here they have these 613 commands already of the, of the Jewish law. And now they have, they have tightened those even more. They've added on more human traditions. And Jesus rebukes him for this. And how often do we see this in the church today? I won't call out anybody, but, but there are churches in our city that are preaching uh, more than what the Bible tells you. Like, you want to get to God? Well, you've got you to wear your hair like this. And, and, and you gotta, you got to do this certain thing, and you've got to go through these rituals, and it's just binding. Things that the Bible doesn't put on you, laws that the Bible does not put on you, they are human traditions. But watch this. Paul goes a step further. He says, not only are they deceitful, not only are they human t- traditions, don't miss this. They are according to the elemental spirits of the world. Now, there's some disagreement about what Paul means here because the the Greek term here could be used to uh, translate it also elemental principles. But it seems in context and thereby the ESV translation that Paul is saying that these heretics ultimately or these heresies ultimately have demonic roots. Remember, we fight not against flesh and blood. So it's not just the heresy itself that comes from human tradition. No, behind that is demonic, I believe, influence. And the devil's goal, he is out to to kill, to steal, and destroy. How would he do that in the life of a believer? He will move you away from the truth. Is that not what he tried to do to, to Christ? Is that not what Satan tried to do to Christ in the wilderness? It is in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus led by the Spirit after fasting. Uh, he's led by the Spirit. And, and, and the, the devil uses a little bit of truth because he, he quotes Scripture. 
But he twists the scripture, so there's deception. But hallelujah, Jesus did not succumb to that temptation. He overcame the enemy by the word of the Lord. So you and I have got to beware and realize some of these things that may seem harmless that are coming against the church, they're actually not just of human tradition. They're not just of other harmless religions. Friends, these things are of the enemy. It's a weapon used against the church to draw us away from Christ, draw us away from the freedom we have in Christ, put us back into bondage, take us back to Egypt, into slavery again. But whom the Son sets free is supposed to be what? Free indeed. So this means, friends, that we must beware of any kind of distortion of biblical truth. And especially a Christ plus message. The Mormons have a Christ plus message. It's a Christ plus Joseph Smith. That's a heresy. Okay. Here's what's interesting. The people who knock on your door. Oh, they know how to trick you. They know how to deceive you. Because they'll mention Jesus. They'll mention family values. But they will not mention the things that are deep. Into their religion. They are, these are not forms of Christianity. Those that say Christians. Here's another one. Should consult their horoscopes. And that, that's a Christ plus. Astrology message. This was going on in Colossae. This is probably one of the closest to what we have today. God forbids this because it advocates for faith in something else. Other than God. And it's simply a form of divination. And you say, well, well, hey, you know, I believe in God and I believe in the Bible, but man, my horoscope, it's right on. I look to it for, to know. No, listen, that is looking to some other force, if you will. And Jesus is above and beyond any other force out there. Why would you go to the horoscope when you can go to Jesus Christ, the one who created the universe, the one who with, uh, holds it up by the power of his word? a Christ plus. We must stay away from these things in church. Just several weeks ago when we were in the heart of uh, this situation that was so heavy on us, I had a, a dear, dear uh, sister in the Lord who has just been a little bit deceived through the Catholic church. Um, I believe she's a Christian. She loves Christ with all of her heart. But she came to me and she, she brought me, she said, I have a Saint Benedict for you. I was hoping she was saying an eggs Benedict because that sounded really good. But it was, a, it was a Saint Benedict, and she handed me this. I've never seen one before. It handed me this bracelet, and wholeheartedly and, and so genuinely, and I, and, and I love this person so much, she, she handed me this, and she said, you need to keep this with you so that you'll be protected through this because this will protect you from evil. Friends, that's a Christ plus message. I have Jesus Christ, the all-powerful one, and I have a direct line to him. Amen? Because of his death and burial and resurrection, I, I have access to Jesus, and I have access to God the Father through Jesus, and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. So I don't need a bracelet to keep me safe because Christ is with me by his Spirit, and no weapon formed against me shall prosper, St. Benedict or not. Amen? 
So we've got to stay away from some of these things. But we also, that's a Christ plus message. We've also got to beware, too, of Christian syncretism. This is big today. It's all over the television. Combining Christianity with any other ideology in our church or in our culture is very, very dangerous. One example is this. It's in front of us all the time. There is a sect of the church that's trying to reconcile Christianity, biblical Christianity, with the idea of our culture's loose sexual morality. So there's, there's churches now that say, hey, anything's okay as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Anything's okay. Two men can get married. Two women can get married. And, and we pick on that a lot, but they go beyond that and say, hey, heterosexual couples, you're not married, sleep together. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, live together. It doesn't matter. Wow. You know what that is? It's syncretism. It's allowing the church to be, the, the, the scriptures to be distorted by our culture's beliefs so that we might be more accepted. It's syncretism and it's dangerous. And a church that's stepping into that is no longer a church. There are many other examples of this. One um, is just, and I'm not going to get deep into this. I don't. I don't need any enemies today, but um, there, there's text in the Bible about, about our words and thoughts and how important those are. But, but we have taken that, and we've taken it way out of context, and you can look. There's a great book you can read called Blessed, and it traces this back, and it shows you how there's this combination now of its New Age theology, New, new Age spirituality with Christianity, where we essentially, by our words and thoughts, just create new realities. And, and so, all I'm going to say about it, we just got to be careful. The Bible mentions some of these things, but it's taken, again, out of context to extreme lengths. And when you look at it, and you look at where you study where it's come from, it's no different than New Age spirituality. It's syncretism. We've got to be careful about these things. And this is easy for any of us to fall into. Because we're around secular people most of the time and people of other religions and faiths. Like if you work in a secular place, you're going to be, you're going to be influenced. And can I just tell you that um, as your pastor, I would just I, I would implore you to guard what you watch on TBN and other Christian channels. Because a lot of syncretism is, or, is happening, this blending of Christianity with other thoughts. It's happening on these mainstream places. I'm not jealous of those people because they have thousands and thousands of people watching and I have, you know, not even a couple hundred. I'm not jealous of them. I can, there's some mega churches I'll, I'll be glad to recommend to you. But there are some people out there that are leading people astray. They're untrained in the scriptures. I don't know what their motive is. That's between them and God. But it's our people. I'm just telling you, be careful. And if you want to know, hey, I, I like to listen to preaching throughout the week. And there's some good ones uh, out there that you can listen to. I'd be glad to recommend those, those pastors and preachers to you. All right? So we've got to be careful about this. So that's, that's the warning. And then Christ, or Paul goes on to say that Christ is enough, essentially. Don't be taken captive. Don't let anyone kidnap you. He says Christ is enough. For, in verse 9, for in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. 
And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So in verse 9, Paul makes one of the clearest statements regarding the deity of Jesus. The fullness of the deity dwells bodily in him. Jesus is enough. Hallelujah. You and I do not need any other form of spirituality. In Christ, you have access to the fullness of the Godhead. This is so freeing. Paul goes on to say, uh, brothers and sisters, you and I, we are complete in Christ. Can we mature in Him? Absolutely. But remember last week, we've been rooted in Him. We're as rooted in Him as we can ever be. So we don't need more of Him. We've got all the benefits. We've got access to Him. So when we say, Lord, we want more of you, that's okay. We, we, what we mean is, Lord, we just want to sense your presence or we want to grow in you. But we have as much of Jesus, we have full access to Christ if we truly are in him by grace through faith. It's a beautiful thing and it is so freeing. He's sufficient. He's enough. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have everything we need that pertains to life. And godliness. That's what it says. Second Peter 1 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It doesn't say some things, it says all things. So I hope you don't feel deficient today. You have all you need in Christ. I want you to, for a moment, imagine these believers in Colossae. They lived in, they, they lived very, very pagan lives for many years. Most of these are Gentiles in the church. They lived outside of God's covenant. They were seen as outsiders. They worshiped false gods, idols, elemental spirits, made sacrifices to false gods, lived very, very, very immoral lives bound by sin and seeing no way out but yet Epaphras comes in after hearing the good news from the Apostle Paul himself in Ephesus makes the journey back to his town of Colossae and he says ladies and gentlemen I've got the greatest news in the world the Messiah has come and because he died in our place for our sin and because he is raised from the dead we've actually been invited into the family of God he actually died in a way that by faith we can die to the bondage of sin that we have been enslaved by we're not even going to be seen as second class citizens within the people of God there's no longer Jews nor Greeks Male nor female, slave nor free, we're all one in Christ. Hey, we have a place at the king's table. We're part of his covenant. There aren't two peoples of God. There's one people of God, namely called the church. Hallelujah. And they are just starting to celebrate this. And you know, if you've been in bondage for a while... Sometimes it's hard to, and you, you're all of a sudden free. It's hard to exercise that freedom. You've heard this from people who have been locked up for years and years and years, and it's, they say it's so hard to readjust to, 
to freedom again. So they're perhaps just getting used to what it is to be free in Jesus. And now after a short time of being free, they're told, hey, actually, we're glad you, you received Christ, but now you've, you've got to be circumcised. Every male got to be circumcised. You've got to become a Jewish proselyte. Well, you still need to sacrifice to this God. You still need to get, engage in this immoral behavior because that's just the way our culture is. And you need to accept it or you're just not going to fit in. And then you have this legalism, something else that was being taught as asceticism where you, you, you couldn't, in, it was saying, hey, if you came to Christ, you can no longer enjoy any of the good things of God's creation. You need to live kind of a miserable life. And that's how you receive true holiness and a closeness to God. Now what's happened? Their freedom is being taken away. Chain after chain is being put back on them. Feet again being shackled. Arms being cuffed. They're supposed to be free. So Paul is reminding them of who they are in Christ. I'm going to finish this out next week and show you exactly who we are in Christ. A beautiful passage when you read the rest of this here. But in this, he's saying Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Don't let anyone take you captive. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't move to the left, to the right. You just keep your eyes on Christ. Here at Real Life, we have some avid fishermen. I am not one of them. I know you're surprised. I'm not patient enough to fish unless we're at a pay lake that's very well stocked. I'm like a kid, I gotta you know pull the line out of the water every uh, every 30 seconds if I don't get a bite, right? But I'm I'm really in, in, intrigued by, by fishermen. You know, the, the whole job of a fisherman is to do what? It's to deceive. They have to be these masters of deception to deceive these poor little fish. We're getting ready to have a time of confession, so you fishermen. <laughs> you know, I'm really interested um, and intrigued by these fishing lures that look so much like the real thing. Uh, Nick Stepp, one of our very avid fishermen, he, have you seen on his Facebook page, he makes these? They are beautiful. I want to buy one. I don't even really fish that often. The idea is this, that the fish... To the fish, that the lures would look so much like the real thing. So close to live bait that's not attached to anything else. That it would cause them to bite. That it would deceive them. And then when they bite, they're hooked. They're pulled out of their environment. And then they're either thrown back in, for those who fish for sport thrown back in and they're marred for life with a big hole in their cheek or <laughs> or that fish is cooked and devoured by some of you heartless people I'm going to judge anybody who goes to the red lobster today after here's the thing 
If the lures were not realistic, the fish would likely not bite. But they take the bait, so to speak, because they look so convincing. So it is with false doctrines. Some of you, I've watched you by some of the the people that you quote on Facebook. I've watched you by some of the the, the conversations I hear. there's There's a bait, there's a lure on the top of the water there that looks so enticing because it's so close to what the Bible says. But I've seen people, oh, I've taken the bait before and I've almost, it's almost cost me my life. I want you to know there's a deceiver out there. It's ultimately powers and principalities are against you, but it comes in the form of human traditions and in Christian syncretism to pull you away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.